The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. On this week's Court TV podcast, we'll take a closer look at the murder trial of Dante Lucas, the man alleged to have murdered his pregnant girlfriend, Kelsey Schelling. He's currently on trial in Colorado, and reporter Liz Gilardi has the latest updates. Kelsey's body has never been found, making this a completely circumstantial case. Is it strong enough to prosecute? Trial attorney Holly Davis doesn't think so, and will tell us why. This is the Court TV Podcast with Vinnie Politan. I'm Vinnie Politan. Thanks so much for joining us on the Court TV Podcast. And today we are going to take a look at a trial that we're following on Court TV, but you're not seeing it on Court TV. And that's because the judge has banned cameras from inside the courtroom. So no public transmission of this trial. Otherwise, you'd be seeing it on Court TV. Um, I could spend the next, oh, I don't know, six hours uh, explaining why that was a bad idea. But that's not what this podcast is going to be about. Uh, it's about the actual case. And this is a, a, a incredibly tragic one. Uh, most of them on Court TV are because we cover a lot of murders. But this one especially, I mean, you go back eight years ago and a young woman, uh, Kelsey Schelling was her name, found out she was pregnant. And as she was excited, I think her mom shared some of that excitement and her boyfriend apparently did not. And she went to go meet her boyfriend after going to the doctor and getting those pictures that we all get, those sonograms and, and the excitement of the moment. And then she was never seen or heard from again. And her boyfriend, Dante Lucas, now on trial for her murder, although her body has never been recovered. She disappeared eight years ago. And no one knows, well, someone knows, but... Um, investigators her family don't know uh, where she is and exactly what happened to her so I want to bring in a, a great reporter and and she's on court TV all the time from our great affiliate Denver 7 Liz Gilardi is with us uh, your stories are on court TV so often that I almost feel like um, you're part of court TV but we're not going to steal you just yet Liz um, let's start here we're eight years after she went missing. Why has it taken eight years to bring someone to trial for this murder? I mean, in eight years, almost the day. I mean, she went missing February 4th. We had opening statements February 3rd. So I think not only is it emotional time um, for her family, as it is every February, but then starting this trial right around the time she went missing. And it's a great question as to why it's taken so long. Um, it's something her family has been asking uh, for years. Uh, part of the problem with this case and, and what we've seen is uh, it was initially investigated by the Pueblo Police Department. Um, things kind of quieted down, didn't seem like there was too much happening. And her family throughout all of this has just been extremely persistent. Um, they hired a private investigator. You know, they went on 2020, they made the rounds and tried to really get this case out there. At that point, 
with the pressure, um, you know, there was some additional examination and the Colorado Bureau of Investigation got involved as well. Um, so it's just been a long road to even get to this point. Um, and Dante Lucas, the suspect, I mean, he was arrested, I think almost three years ago. Um, so even to get to the trial has been a long road, but just to get to that arrest, you know, even longer. So what's the backstory of, of Kelsey Schelling and Dante Lucas? How did they meet and what was their relationship like? So, you know, they met, um, they were fairly young. Uh, she saw him playing basketball in college, as the story goes, and just kind of, you know, uh, became infatuated with him. And, um, you know, they, they started dating. Um, at one point, she moves away to California, uh, realizes it's really expensive to live out there and comes back to Colorado and they kind of rekindle their relationship. And then shortly thereafter, um, she becomes pregnant. So it was kind of an off, on again, off again uh, relationship. You know, they're both uh, fairly young. Uh, and then she's in Denver, she's working. He lives in Pueblo, which is um, a little like about two hours away, depending on traffic. Um, so she's going down there, you know, they, they meet up, um, he, you know, they visit each other. And then, um, basically, you know, she finds out she's pregnant and that's when everything kind of changes. So how would you describe, and, and you know, some of the evidence coming out during the course of the trial, but it's also been released beforehand. How, how did he take the pregnancy? How did she react to the pregnancy? What was, what was going on there? Well, I think the pregnancy was unexpected. Um, and her, her mom even testified and talked about when Kelsey told her and, you know, her mom's like, you know, she seemed nervous. She called me in the middle of the day. I was wondering what was going on. And then, you know, Kelsey tells her she's pregnant. Um, it was a lot for the mom to kind of digest. But once she thought about it, she's like, we're going to be supportive. And Kelsey was like, I really want this baby. Um, so her family was very supportive. And um, throughout the trial, we're hearing these text messages, which I think will be a really important part of the case between Kelsey and Dante um, talking about that pregnancy and how Kelsey was going to her first doctor's appointment. And that was on February 4th. Now, mind you, she drives from Denver to Pueblo later that day and then is never seen again. So she's texting with Dante as she's at the doctor. Um, you know, and she, I think had wanted him to go to that appointment. He did not go with her. She was actually at that appointment by herself, but she's um, talking about that appointment with him. He keeps saying, come on down to Pueblo. Um, and they're even having some discussion. It sounded like in court about, you know, the baby and, and how all that was going to work. And do you want the baby, like, does he want the baby, that sort of thing. So it sounded like a very emotionally charged conversation for them. So Dante Lucas, how would you describe his tone in these exchanges where you're talking about bringing a child into the world and, and being a father? I mean, for some people, it's exciting. For some people, it's scary. For some people, they want no part of it. I understand he's young. Uh, she's young. How exactly did that play? Yeah, you know, from the text messages, um, they're, they're pretty short. Um, and at one point, I think she kind of even becomes frustrated and was like, you know, kind of saying that she would just do this on her own. It, you know, it's, it's kind of a back and forth between them. Um, but you do get the feeling that maybe he's not as excited as she is. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, sometimes it's even that way for married couples. 
you know, who, who love each other. I mean, you know, some people have different thoughts, especially when it's unexpected, unplanned, but happens. And I understand that. I want to talk about two relationships. And I think I think they're a big part of the story and will be a big part of this trial, which is unless it's about the the two people we're talking about, Kelsey and Dante, with their respective mothers. Kelsey and her mom, to me, is the is what this story is about. I mean, these two seem like they are were so close, and you just anytime Kelsey's mom speaks, you you feel you feel what she's feeling. Absolutely, no. They had an incredibly close relationship, and um, hearing her mom testify last week and just talking about the last time they saw each other and the last time they hung out. Um, it was just heartbreaking. You know, her mom walks into that court every day um, wearing purple, which was Kelsey's favorite color. She always has a purple shirt on every, I went back through all of our years of interviews with her every time she has a purple shirt on. Um, she's been the biggest advocate uh, for her daughter and you can tell they were incredibly close. Um, and so, yeah, just hearing her, you know, testify. Um, and I think, you know, too, in this, they're trying to say, well, why, why would Kelsey just run away? She wanted this baby. She was close with her family. She had a bunch of friends. So what happened on February 4th? Yeah, I think that that establishing that she's close with her mother and she had the support of the family with the baby, to me, is an important part of this case and the story. Now, how about Dante Lucas and his mother? Um, I think they're sort of close as well uh but their life kind of took a different turn yeah you know it, it did and um i think people have always kind of wondered maybe how much his mom knows or what really happened um you know if if in fact something happened to kelsey and dante is responsible but um you know he was texting with his mom also um after kelsey made the drive to pueblo and uh, was talking with her um, after Kelsey the next day had supposedly spent, spent the night at his grandma's house and was talking with the mom about meeting up. But first, I kind of have to get her out of here was something along the lines of that text message. And that was, you know, the next day after she made that drive from Denver to Pueblo. So Dante Lucas has had some issues with the law, right? He's He's not, this isn't his first trip to the rodeo, as they say. And and is he currently incarcerated? He is. Mm-hmm. Yes, he So he, he's had some trouble. And, and, and looking at this case now, just taking a step back and kind of giving us the headlines, how would, you, how would you describe the headline for what prosecutors are saying inside that courtroom versus what the defense is saying inside that courtroom? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, prosecutors are saying you know, despite not having a body, this is not a missing persons case. This is a homicide case. And they have no doubt that she was either murdered on February 4th, or maybe the early morning hours of February 5th. Um, they went as far as to say this isn't a whodunit. Um, he was in the courtroom today, you know, referring to Dante Lucas sitting at, at the defense table and that he lured her. He went farther to plan this out and lure her down to Pueblo. Um, you know, and, and murder her because he did not want that child. That's what prosecutors are saying. Um, you know, the defense and granted, uh, they don't have a body, but basically they're just saying that's, there's no truth to that. Um, they're saying that, 
yeah, they tell you it's, it's not a missing persons case, but it's fiction. And they say that fiction's been created from random pieces of evidence that have been put together over the past eight years um, throughout the course of you know, this, this case um, unfolding. Um, they say they're random facts. Um, they talked about the, this text message exchange once Kelsey got down to Pueblo and um, the defense attorney said, well, you know, the prosecution will tell you that Kelsey was waiting on Dante and Dante showed up late and they said, well, just because he showed up late, is he a killer? Um, so you're seeing a lot of that back and forth unfolding in the courtroom. All right. The trial continues. We'll continue to follow it on Encore TV and get updates from our friend Liz Gilardi at Denver 7. Thanks so much, Liz. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, folks. So this is not, you know, it depends how you look at it, right? Half full, half empty. I'm a half full guy. I think this is a strong case and all those random pieces of evidence that the defense is talking about. Um, I call circumstantial evidence, like pieces of a puzzle that you put together and then you see the whole picture. But not everyone agrees with me. When we come back, we'll hear from Holly Davis from the great state of Texas, who I don't think shares my belief that prosecutors have a strong case. That's next. Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to CourtTV.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. I love circumstantial evidence. And I love circumstantial evidence cases. I, I find that type of evidence, to me personally, more compelling than direct evidence. What? What did I just say? What? Yeah. And, and here's why. Do you know what direct evidence is? Direct evidence is like eyewitness testimony. And eyewitness testimony is inconsistent and, and sometimes not so accurate. We've, we've seen studies that have been done, and that's what direct evidence is. Videotape's good most of the time. You know, usually they're a little bit grainy and you don't see the most important part. But video direct evidence, you know, it's direct evidence of the crime. And then you're going to say, but Vinny, how about DNA? Yeah, DNA is great, but it's circumstantial evidence. DNA doesn't prove a crime. It proves a circumstance that points towards proving a crime. So people always get confused by that. They say, oh, we need, we need good direct evidence like, like DNA. DNA is circumstantial evidence. It's another piece that you put together to, to complete the picture. And in the case of, of Dante Lucas... The, the direct evidence is not there. It's just not there, folks. There is none. There's no videotape. There's videotapes, but not of the crime. Uh, there, there's text messages. There's all these little pieces that, that paint, to me, a very clear and obvious picture of what happened, okay, with my common sense. But they don't have her body. We don't know exactly how, where she died. We don't know where her remains are. Somebody knows, and I have a good idea who knows, but none of that's going to come up in the courtroom. So I want to bring in Holly Davis, incredible attorney down in Austin, Texas, who is often on the program, uh, closing arguments at night with me in our think tank. Holly, first time on the podcast. Welcome. Great to see you. Thanks, Vinny. I'm happy to be here. 
Okay, you know this is a, this is like an honor, you know, to to make it to the podcast. <laughs> Not every guest who's on Core TV makes it all the way to the podcast, so this is kind of huge for you. So don't don't feel intimidated by trying to make the the arguments here, because from my perspective, this is a great circumstantial case. What what from your perspective, what what's wrong with it? I mean, doesn't it doesn't it make common sense that hey, she gets pregnant? He's not so happy about it. He tells her, come down to Pueblo. We never see her again. Hmm. Vinny, there's a difference between tabloid culture and due process. And so if this story was in Us Weekly or in People or on social media, sure, I would be one of the interested readers saying, oh, it's the boyfriend. Everybody knows that. But that's not the way our justice system works. The problem with this case is, in my opinion, that it is only a circumstantial evidence case. I agree with you, Vinny. These inanimate objects are a really great stacking device to prove your case, right? The DNA test, the cell phone, the text messages, the cell yes. towers, the cell yes. tower records. But I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate with you, Vinny, which is probably why you've invited me on this show. And I think the circumstantial evidence points in Dante's direction at times. So if you're going to have a murder conviction on, on a no-body case with only circumstantial evidence, then you really have to have the smoking gun of circumstantial evidence. And I just don't think that the entirety of the text messages and the cell phone tower records and even the video surveillance uh, tapes prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Dante Lucas killed Kelsey Schilling. On the night well, let me let me ask voice. you this. Let me ask you this, and I hate to cut you off, but sure. that's my job. Um, let's start with the body, right? No body, no problem. From my perspective, there is no doubt that she is dead. Okay, and you have to prove that, right? It's an element of the crime. You got to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. I see no reasonable alternative explanation for her not responding. You know, just disappearing. I mean, is from your perspective, can you concede at least that that yes. Kelsey Schelling is dead? Yes. And for this to be a successful defense case for Dante, his lawyers absolutely need to pivot and admit that a person who is so well connected in Denver, who loves her mom and maybe even her dad and her friends so dearly, and um, they have to concede that she is no longer on this earth. Everybody knows that. Okay. All right. Now, she didn't commit suicide, right? I don't know. You, 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 you leaving that on the table. I, I would really, what we need to hear is a defense story that makes sense. And that's a little bit of a problem for Dante, but, but I don't know if she killed herself. We don't know if Dante killed her. We don't know how she died. And we're about to convict a man because he was the last to see her and his story might not add up, but we don't even know how she died. We don't have evidence of the death. We just have evidence that she's no longer here, and he was the last to see her. And I know. That wait, 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 wait! You said she's no longer here, but you've already conceded that she's dead. So I've, I've, yeah, I, I've I got think that she's part. Dead. Okay, okay. So now the question is: Is this an accidental death? Is this um, natural causes? Is this suicide? Or is this homicide? Okay. I, I, is there a reasonable? explanation for how this could possibly be natural causes? I don't think so. I think foul play is involved. I don't know whether or not it's Dante Lucas or not. I don't know whether okay. or not Okay, all right. So I'm, I'm getting closer, Holly. I'm getting closer, <laughs> right? Yes. We, we've got, it. She she's beyond a reasonable doubt, doubt dead. Beyond a reasonable doubt, 
it's homicide because there, there's no there's no act there's no scene of an accident anywhere. As a matter of fact, her car is left there, and who's driving her car? But Dante is. Where's is he driving it? To the ATM. Why? To take money from her account. And if that were the first time he had done that, I, that would be a major problem for Dante. Kelsey Schilling had lived a life where her parents funded her bank account. She lived in a penthouse apartment in Denver. She was dating a guy from the wrong side of the tracks and down in Pueblo. And she was, whether or not her parents knew it or liked it, she was allowing him to use her debit card several times over the course of their relationship in addition to her car. So she was living a life of privilege and wealth, was dating a person that wasn't, and she was allowing him to use her resources. So if that were the first time that Dante had ever used her debit card, he would probably have, you know, then I would be, I would be convinced that he, what, he murdered her for what, child support or rights no, to for, the baby? No way. I mean, what's the motive? How many the, times? The, the motive is this guy doesn't want to be a father. This guy doesn't want to be tied down. She says she's having the baby and he doesn't want any part of it. And then there's a fight. Things get violent and she dies. That's a really great story for a tabloid culture but that's not enough evidence for him to be convicted and locked away for life and in in order to i mean and, and i know that reasonable minds may differ and i actually understand and i've seen the data that supports a higher conviction rate for nobody cases it's going to be imperative for dante's legal team and i don't know if they're going to do it Vinny, to be honest with you it's imperative that they piece together a story that makes sense of we, I understand she's, she's probably no longer here, but I did not do it. And here's what happened. And I'm Vinny, I think two critical things need to come out in this defense case for this to be successful for Dante. And that is there needs to be a reasonable explanation where the car went and why it was in the Walmart parking lot and then the hospital, why, why it was moved and who moved it. And he needs to explain the last time Kelsey was seen on February 4th or the morning of the 5th, before he starts sending text messages to his mother. When I read the text messages between Dante Lucas and his mom, it makes sense to me that uh, there was a fight. There always was a fight between the two and that she uh, wants you know, him to leave her alone and that the pregnancy may or may not have been a, a ploy to stay together and that there was a fight between the two. So they need to explain that. I think there could be a, you know, a host of different ways to explain what happened to the car, why he moved it. Um, but lying but, to but, the police wasn't a good idea on his, on no. his side. But, but here's the thing. A story that makes some sense, right? Because this is what I always did as a prosecutor. I talked about reasonable doubt. Yeah. And I said, it's reasonable doubt, okay? It's not any. It's got to be a reasonable story. So what's the reasonable explanation for her driving down to Pueblo to meet one person and one person only, the father of the child she's carrying, and then disappears. I'm trying to come up. Like, why would she leave her car there? Why would she let him go to the ATM and take her money? Why would she, why would she say, here, not be in the car with him when he's at the ATM, not be in the car with him when the car is being moved from the Walmart to the hospital, and all those things around there, she is nowhere to be found. And, and to me, it's incumbent because prosecutors will have a story that they're telling and attempting to sell to the jury. And I think it's an easy one to sell because it makes sense. It makes common sense. It all fits together. I don't see a, an alternative. And, and we know 
the defense has no burden. But as you said, Holly, they're, they're going to have to provide some reasonable alternative explanation for what happened down in Pueblo. What happened at the Walmart parking lot? Why is he in the car? And where is she? I agree. Right? I agree. And the most plausible explanation to me, is they got in a fight. She says, see you later. I'm leaving with, I don't need you. I'm raising this baby by myself. She gets out and she's never seen again. Do you remember that story of the woman who was, uh, who had a baby and on her first night out in like Nashville, uh, I believe, or Kentucky, um, went to the bar, got in a fight with her friend, her friend left. And then she walks out with some guy because she's pissed off at her friend she was out with. And she walks out and she gets murdered by a random guy she goes home with. Yes. You know, uh, these types of things happen, unfortunately, to women all day long. And it would be really interesting for Dante to tell us uh, what happened when they got in a fight where she went and um, whether or not those text messages were uh, really sent to him from her phone and the explanation of the cell phone being nearby. If she walked out and left and said, see you later, I'm walking down the street, figure it out, I'm good without you, and got into some trouble, that could explain something. I realize that it's far-fetched and in this day and age, we are, our job is to make assumptions and draw patterns and conclusions, but I have a real hard time convicting this gentleman without a body, without a true motive. And you can't tell me that having to pay child support and for a baby that you don't really care about is enough to kill the mom in this day and age, Vinny, because um, you know, in the family court systems, you're not going to, if you don't want to see that kid, the mom will be thankful for that. She'll get to make all the decisions. You don't have to do anything, send the check or not. A lot of dads don't. So to me, you're not going to convince me that like, oh no, she's pregnant. <gasps> uh, she must be murdered. You know, I, I don't think that that in and of itself is a very compelling motive for me, for Dante, because that guy doesn't care about the law. He doesn't care that the AG's office in, That's in true. Denver is going to garnish his non-existent wages. I see it as a, a case that's driven by uh, the emotion, the emotion of the moment. And, and, and a and lawsuit by Kelsey's parents. Well, Kelsey's parents sued the Pueblo Police Department. To do uh, their jobs. That's correct. Kelsey's parents are vocal. They are attractive. They are, they are um, persuasive. They are wealthy. They are on TV. They are asking questions about why their daughter isn't getting justice, why their daughter isn't being found. And they have the means to sue any company or department that doesn't do what they want. And I understand that. I can't tell you that I wouldn't do the same thing were I in those shoes because I have the ability to. But this police department is bringing a nobody murder charge because they have been sued. And so that's something that I think is very interesting and telling. The circumstantial, circumstantial evidence case has to be brought because they're getting, they're in the hot seat. I see it. I, I come back to the reasonable explanation. The, the problem I have with her just walking away is that she's in Pueblo, she lives in Denver, and she has a car, but she's not in the car, and he's got the car. I think that's, where, I think that's, that's the, the smoking circumstance that will be difficult, but we shall see. It's not an easy case, and that, I think that's part of the reason why we're sitting here eight years later, Holly. But always great to see Holly Davis down in Austin, Texas, uh, helping us out on the podcast Thanks so much, Holly. Thanks, Vinny. It's a pleasure. All right. When we come back, I, I want to talk about the most important person in that courtroom. Okay. It's a trial about the murder of Kelsey Schelling. Dante Lucas is on trial for his life. Um, but neither one of them is the most important person in the courtroom. Certainly not Kelsey because she can't be there. 
and certainly not Dante Lucas. I'll tell you who when we return. For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front-row seat to justice. During the course of my career at Court TV, and in the beginning of my career at Court TV, I was a, a traveling correspondent, so I was in the courtroom for all these trials, and it's predominantly murder trials. And it's not easy. It's not easy to cover, but that, that, that pales in comparison as to what it's like for the families of the victim. And I have, I've seen it time and time again, and there's a look in their eyes that they have they're, they're scared, they're overwhelmed, they don't know what to expect, there's so much uncertainty. And for Kelsey Schelling's mom, who has been such a strong advocate from the beginning of this uh, case, from the beginning of her daughter disappearing to now inside the courtroom as the first witness for the prosecution, uh, from my perspective, she's the most important person in that courtroom because she's there representing the victim and she is the one that has been the, the, the driving force behind making sure that her daughter gets justice. And I want to talk about that for a moment because um, a lot of people talk about uh, the C word and it's called closure. And, you know, we, we have a, we have a investigation, we have an arrest, we have a trial, we have a conviction, then we have closure and you don't, The, the victim's family never has closure. It just doesn't, it doesn't occur. They are broken forever. And, not broken beyond repair, but, but broken people. It doesn't go away. They live with it day in and day out. They are heartbroken. They are sick. And, and not a day goes by for them where they don't think about the loss that they suffered. Then multiply that by 100 when it's a parent who has buried a child. Then multiply it by another 100% when the grandchild is buried with the child. Okay. And here they're not even buried. They haven't been found. Think about that, what it's like for, uh, for uh, Kelsey's mom. Not all, she doesn't know exactly what happened. She doesn't know where her daughter is. And she is 1,000% convinced that Dante Lucas is responsible. And now finally, eight years later, he's in court. And she has no idea what the verdict is going to be. And this is the way I describe it, what it's like for families, because I've spoken to so, so many of them. They're not, they're not going to get closure, but the only thing that they can get, the only thing that gives them some sense of, of hey, listen, this, 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 this happened, and, and, and it shouldn't just happen and then we just move on. There, there has to be a, a response to all of this, and the response for them is, is some sense of justice. And, and the sense of justice is the person they believe is responsible gets held responsible. That a jury comes back and says, yes, yes, Dante Lucas is responsible. Yes, your daughter was murdered. And yes, this man will um, spend his life behind bars because of that. And that's what she's looking for. And that's what prosecutors are trying to deliver to her. But there's no guarantee. And imagine the anxiety day in and day out inside that courtroom 
as witnesses take the stand and, and tell us tell a story, talk about evidence, talk about her daughter, and then the defense does their job, which they have to do. It's part of our system. I'm not criticizing what criminal defense attorneys do, not at all. But the family has to sit there and listen to that cross-examination and, and, and listen to the attack. Sometimes the attacks are on the victim themselves, uh, the attack on the evidence. And then there's this anxiety like, oh, are things not going well? Is the jury, was the jury going to believe? Doesn't the jury see? Don't they understand? And there's such incredible anxiety. Because imagine this. Your daughter goes missing. You never find her. And then the person you believe is responsible is not held responsible? That is a kick in the gut. And it happens, and it can happen, and it might happen here. None of us know. I mean, the 12 people in the jury don't even know yet. No one will know until the the jury gets the case, they deliberate, and they come to a unanimous agreement. But in the meantime, for, for Kelsey's mom, this is agony, this is torture, but she wants this to happen because this is all she has left. This is it. And if she doesn't get this, that that broken person uh, ends up more broken. And while Dante Lucas, yes, he's on trial for his life, you know, you know how I see the case based upon the evidence that I've seen. Um, but to me, I always look at the victim and, and 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 how our system treats the victim and treats the victim's family. And at the end of the day, um, it will be devastating devastating if Dante Lucas is not convicted. But the evidence may not be there. There may not be enough to prove it beyond any and all reasonable doubt, which is the standard we have to apply. So it's tough, and it's going to be difficult, and it's incredibly, incredibly unpredictable. We will, of course, continue to cover this case and this trial on Court TV, despite the fact that there's no cameras inside there. Uh, We are still getting... Uh, incredible details from uh, Denver 7 and our other affiliate KOAA out in Colorado. Uh, all the details from inside, and we'll let you know how this whole thing turns out. In the meantime, if you want more information about uh, the trial and the story, we have some incredible uh, background pieces uh, in the show links here that you can click on and take a look at to find out more about this case. And, of course, you can watch me every night on Closing Arguments uh, from 8 to 11, Monday through Friday, on Court TV. Yes, it's a television network, not just a podcast. And you can get us on a digital antenna. If you have one, please rescan it and find our signal so you can get your front row seat to justice. All right, that is it for this week, folks. Thanks so much for listening and downloading and and sharing the podcast. Tell a friend about it. I'm Vinny Politan. Have a great week. And as always, don't forget to hug the kids. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.